Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. This podcast is for you if you have an insane drive to find the truth of things. It's not the good answers that we seek, but the good questions. I interview a range of different guests from many different fields, all with the intention to uncover the simple truths that are hidden in plain sight. Most people don't want to go there. I go there. My guests go there, and you benefit. Please let me know if you enjoy these episodes, and as always, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. My guest today is Matthew Bosch. He is a salesperson at a large tech company, uh, and he also converted to Christianity at 22 or 24. I can't remember what you said, but 22 or 24, somewhere around that. And so we're going to have a conversation about theology uh, and uh, maybe philosophy, but but uh, we'll, 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 we'll keep it mostly focused on theology or whatever else comes up, because this is a pretty broad show, as all of, our, all of my listeners uh, know. So welcome to the show, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Yeah. And can you talk more about um, Christianity, what it means to you, how you found it, and uh, and and also the transition, particularly in San Francisco, because it's so interesting of, of uh, moving from a secular society into a religion, into a, a spiritual practice and such. Totally. Yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting. I, you know, I came to faith uh, really kind of a, a, about a year ago. Um, ultimately, you know, my background, I, I was raised in a, in a Christian high school, um, but I went mostly for football and sports uh, and did not focus on the religious aspect too much. Um, but I'm thankful because that kind of gave me the the foundation that later on in life when I was looking for something, um, I had a model to kind of go back to and draw on of what was successful uh, and what I had seen my friends in, in that world be successful. Um, so ultimately, you know, last year was, I would say this, I, I had throughout my, you know, my early life, I really kind of put the dollar as as God, right? We all worship something. If it's not, you know, a God, it, it unfortunately ends up becoming money in our today's society. Um, and that's a, that's a really shallow God, right? You, you might meet that goal, you might meet that financial goal that you had for yourself. But ultimately, you know, we all kind of know this, as soon as you move into the house, you always wanted, somehow you want another house, you know, it, it just it never stops. And I think last year, I had the most successful financial year of my life. Um, but I was the most miserable I'd ever been. And, and that was kind of a slow decline. Um, long story short, what ended up happening is I, I went to my best friend's wedding, actually. And, um, and we've known each other since sixth grade, we went to the Christian school together. Um, and all of our friends and family were there. Uh, and what I realized was, you know, there's one thing, everyone was happy. They had a good families. They were good people. Um, they were very close. They had fulfillment and value and purpose in life. And so I kind of had to sit there and say, like, what's the one thing that uh, that they all share that I don't? And and it was Christianity. And and ultimately, the reason that I started down the path of Christianity was really to become a better person and, and enact better change on, on the people around me. Um but, you know, within that, you end up believing it, right? You end up believing that Jesus is Lord. And once that realization happens, so much has to change in your life. You know, you can't just keep living the way you were before. Um, so that's kind of where I am now. You know, I, I read a lot of C.S. Lewis um, and really just trying to get more into like the theological understanding and underpinnings of, of Christianity itself. Um, but I think all all faith is interesting, right? We're all derived from the Abrahamic religions. Um, that goes back so, so deep. And so what does it mean to be a Christian to you? I think, you know, from just the highest level, it, it really, the acknowledgement realization that not only is God 
you know, on all high, you know, he is our creator. But ultimately, the, the thing that differentiates Christianity is the personhood of Christ, right? When when Christ comes down and you have this in the New Testament, the Old Testament, he makes some very specific claims in, in all of that, the documentation, right? Even historically, we know he made very specific claims. Those claims don't leave a lot of room, I don't think, right? And I think they obviously that was intentional, where he's either a liar, a crazy person, or he is who he says he is. Um, and your answer to that, regardless of where you fall, even if you're secular, you know, Jewish or whatever it might be, that answer, I think, is so critical to the rest of your life and your worldview. Um, and so for Christians, it's the understanding that he is who he says he is, and therefore we fall in alignment with him. Uh, and so he is who he says it is. And so I grew up Christian. I guess I would say I'm Christian, uh, I go, but I definitely grew up with a lot of influence and in going to church and a lot of different stuff, and it <laughs> runs through my life. So, you know, I come from this Christian background. I'm really interested in Christ. I'm really interested in what Christ said. Um, and uh, so I do understand that a lot of the Bible says that he is God. But what I don't understand is the 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 the, the Trinity. I still don't understand the Trinity of like the, the Son, no, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why is it so important to, to talk about Jesus as the Son and differentiate it as the Father? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think that's one that most, even Christian theologians struggle with, right? It's like just conceptualizing this whole thing. You know, how how can three beings be one, but it be in separate places and serve different functions? I think there's a couple of things which kind of steps back to, you know, how do we see God, right? He's He's the creator. And when we think about creators, I think oftentimes we put him in our world and in our universe. If we think about like, you know, when Picasso does a painting, right? Picasso is imbibed in that painting, but he's completely and wholly separate. And his world is so much larger mm -hmm. and more complex than, than what is in that painting. And so I kind of think about it like we are in that painting itself. That is our rule set. That is the limitations of our universe. Um, and when it says, there's an interesting thing that C.S. Lewis talks about, which is um, it talks about how we are made in God's image, right? Um, but the son or Jesus is begotten by God. And that's very different than being made, right? Like I'm begotten by my father. I literally come directly through him. Um, but you can make a replica of me, might imbibe certain traits, but we're going to be wholly different. And so to me, I think that's the importance of the son of, you know, if God is outside of this entire, not just universe, anything that we understand, he has to kind of break through in a certain way. Right. And so I think Jesus is his way of breaking through. And, you know, I think proving that this is the life that you could have led if the fall didn't happen. And because of that, you mm -hmm. know, we persecute the way that we should have led our lives. Right. The Pharisees and the Sadducees persecuted Jesus, not because I mean, yes, he to them, he was blaspheming, but not because the acts that he were doing were not good, you know. So I, I, I think that it, the Holy Spirit, I think, is a third other realm of, you know, I think that is, and again, this is kind of me theorizing here, but I think that that is, again, breaking through that that seal that separates us from the divine and imbibing us with a little bit of God's energy and, mm -hmm. and using that as a path to say, you know, like you and I, we kind of come from similar backgrounds, but you're in Argentina, you probably meet people that like, woolly different than you 
And we always like to think about how we're all so different, but, but we're not. Our underlying core instinct is all the same and always really has been. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit is important in the, in the Trinity. Mm. So what I got from that is basically uh, God as the father is sort of like this transcendent thing that is separate from us, yet at the same time is still part of us. And then and then Jesus as the son is basically this this um, like a human being that's more directly connected with God. Um, and then and then the, and I have from my understanding of the human, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is the linkage between like an internal, an internal, you know, that I have, I have this ego, this person that I consider who I am. Uh, and then that, that thing is linked to God internally, Im- imminently inside of me uh, with a larger God. Um, but, but like, I, but that, that like the, 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 the real like divinity, like full on divine experience, maybe what I would like call enlightenment or something like that. And I definitely believe that Jesus was, like enlightened, like an awakened master, basically. Uh, and, uh, and so like that full on experience is feels so far away, even though, even though I think within Christianity, and also within a lot of the Eastern traditions, they say like, that, like, you know, it's there all the time. You know, it's like that we have that divinity inside of us. And it's more about removing the obstacles that we have to that. Uh, What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? I mean, I think, you know, whether it's interesting that whether you look at the Abrahamic faiths or kind of the more spiritual based faiths, you know, kind of like you're mentioning in divinity, and I'm sure Buddhism would kind of fall into this category. We're all describing kind of the same thing, right? Like we're not, I think that's what's so funny is, you know, people think like, you know, when you say you're a Christian, it's like, oh, so do you think that this other faith is wrong? And it's like, no, we're all kind of describing the same underlying feelings that we have. And we're just coming up, you know, to different, I guess, ways of getting there. You know, I think, again, the thing that really is unique about Christianity is that God does make himself man. Um, and through that, I don't have to go make sacrifices or, you know, go do all of these ritualistic traditions. That sacrifice has been made for me. And ultimately, mm-hmm. through through worship and pursuit of him, um, that's how I become enlightened or divine mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, any of these religions kind of wants to to call it. And there, there's a big focus on salvation inside of Christianity, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. What, so what does salvation mean? So in the Christian perspective, you know, I salvation is the understanding that, you know, we're all in a fallen world. Um, I think we can see that just open up a history book, right? Like you're never going to find like a happy page. It's always kind of terrible stuff that goes on, you know. I think that's why, I, you know, I as as bad as some of the events that are going on in the world are, you know, they're not um, surprising, right? That that's who humans have been throughout all of human history. And so because of that fall and because of that, that tarnish that kind of sits on us, um, we have to be saved. And I think a lot of people nowadays, you know, it becomes about me, it becomes going to some therapist who's just another human who has their own flaws, right? We all know the, you know, kind of the, you know, the therapist, the divorce counselor, who's divorced themselves and it's like what are we really doing we're not we're not looking for anything so i think the only thing we can be saved by is something that is higher than us that that created us um and jesus had an interesting point actually on the sermon on the mount where he kind of talks about how uh nothing nothing but perfection can enter heaven and yet none of us are perfect and Mm. so there's that need for that Mm. cleansing before we cross over because it it wouldn't be loving to allow imperfection into a perfect home. Mm. Right. I think, I think 
that that concept has to change a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Uh, particularly the 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 quote you mentioned about a perfect moving into the perfect and that we are all imperfect. Uh, one of the the before I called the show crazy wisdom uh, actually had one of the uh, names I was working with was like beautifully broken uh, or so, or sort of like you know it's like the 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 Japanese um, uh, there's like a Japanese uh, uh, art that they take broken pieces of potter pottery and then craft recraft them and put put gold lining in the middle and it turns it into something that's more beautiful uh, and so yeah I love this I love this idea that like everything right now is is perfect in its imperfection and that like that that like our waking state our ego like all these drives these these you know desire anger rage like all these emotions that i know that I, i've read a lot of c.s lewis and i love i love his writings uh that that like all of these emotions are perfect uh in a sense that they're the ones that lead us to god um because like you know, but at the same time, it's like, but it's really challenging to live in this world that is fallen, like, you know, like all the crazy stuff that goes on. And and actually, I would love to take this on a, a very stark tangent, but a related tangent, which is like, what do you think of AI in this new age that we're, we're moving into? And like, you know, you're in technology. Um, and, and what is the relationship between technology and Christianity? And where are we headed? Mm-hmm. Ah, that's a very interesting question. And, you know, three years from now, what I say can be so completely in the wrong direction, right? I think we all kind of don't know. Um, but, you know, there's certain things that I've seen, right? Like uh, the other day, my pastor was telling me about how in Germany, they had an AI bot write a, a full-on sermon. I personally, you know, that to a Christian, that hits hard. You know, that hits home as to like where AI can really go and and what are we comfortable with? Um, and so I think for everyone, it's going to be a little bit different, but, you know, when I kind of look at AI, to me, you know, it just seems like it's the constant, you know, human beings trying to replicate God here on earth, Mm -hmm. right? We want all of this creative intelligence brought together, um, delivered at, you know, instantaneous flick of a finger. And the idea is that this is going to elevate man and maybe it will. And there's probably applications where it will, you know, I, there's no such thing as pure good and pure evil necessarily, right? There's, there's trade-offs, but I think the trade-off is, you know, are we sacrificing our humanity for that? And what I mean by that is like, let's take AI as it stands right now. The number one use case in commercial use is kids cheating on homework. Yes. All we have done is built a bot to make kids who are already struggling in school even dumber. And sure, maybe you can ask that kid, what is two plus two? They'll give you four. But if they don't know why it's four, it doesn't matter. They're completely controlled. And so I, I, I just think that there's a lot, you know, people talk about the AI bots, you know, like kind of Terminator. I don't think that's the problem. I think it's the degradation of our humanity and being able to come to realization that like, what is math and why is that irrelevant to us? Um, so that's where I think it could go in a, in a potentially harmful way. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, you're right in the sense that it's not the existential risk. I'm very not afraid of this technology in terms of existential risk, but the real challenge is the idiocracy that movie, you know, the movie Idiocracy, where it's like we start to depend on the technology to do all of our thinking for us, and we outsource our thinking and become basically hollow shells of human uh, human existence, where like the robot does most of our thinking. But I do think there's a future 
that we can live in, which it in, it augments our our intelligence in ways that are really beneficial and integrous. And um, uh, and you also brought up some great points about like it really feels to me that we're into biblical times and and like all of those original stories, even in the Old Testament of like the flood, you know, like the flood, the cli- climate change is our modern day flood. Uh, uh, and then we also have the Tower of Babel, uh, where we're, you know, where we're, we're trying to build a sky bridge to God, um, you know, and, and like the internet, that's the internet basically. Uh, and then we've got AI now and also biotech that are going to come around pretty soon, which are, we are literally playing God, uh, either with artificial intelligence or actually changing our own DNA, changing our own (laughs) things for various things. And I think so many people, particularly those type of people who are really secular, very materialist, who are going to run into a lot of problems uh, in terms of and and it's not going to be problems that are going to be obvious, like to them in their lifetimes, but maybe only afterwards, like or or even like, like, I, I, I always think that whenever we're doing something that's against God or against uh, our own our own spirit, that generally we know, even though mm. we hide, hide it from ourselves and stuff. So I think, yeah, I think most people at some level are understand of some some of the choices, but I think a lot of people are so far away from that that spiritual life, and, and that they're going to run into a lot of problems that they won't really recognize. And I know I've gone through that myself, being secular myself and being materialist, and and then waking up to it, realize like, oh, that was just kind of like a way for me to hide from mm. all of these choices that I was making that 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 I know were having uh, effects on me. Um, so yeah, I'd be curious to hear what you think about, about all that and like, whether you have any comments or questions and I got other questions that we can ask too. Yeah. Before, before I go into that, do you mind if I just ask you a quick question on sure. that? Cause I'm generally curious, right? You, you know, you work at a, a pretty successful AI company that's doing some very interesting things. And like you mentioned, you know, you recognize that there's a hollowing out of the human cell soul, you know, that could, could happen. I don't want to say that will happen, but could happen. I guess, you know, you also are a company, right? And we all operate where we have to make revenue and profit. Yep. yep. How, how do you guys mm. internally try to balance, you know, from like R&D and allocation of capital? Like, how do you think about that? It's a great, great question. Uh, and I actually don't know how other people are thinking about it at the organization. I, I, we, I, we should be. I'm. I, I haven't gotten into, we're so, so excited about it. And I think this is, often happens, like, because I know for, I'll, I'll explain it from my own angle, and then I'll I'll, I'll I'll try to bring it in. I don't want to misrepresent anybody I work with. Um, uh, so uh, so from my own angle, I know that most of the use cases that I'm using it for are really integrous and are not hopefully uh, hopefully really integrous <laughs> and are not um, are not uh, like like they're. It doesn't feel like I'm 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 going off on paths that are the, and I I don't even think that the technology is there yet to to be mm-hmm. super disintegrous. I like. If I if I try to think about like what how I could use AI if I were in that mindset that I was trying to gain power over others or do unethical things, it's like yeah I guess I could ask it to um, you know design me a designer uh, virus or something like that. It could it could help, but and then it go to the lab and like try to build that and stuff like that. And I guess that actually brings into what we're doing because we're actually doing RLHF reinforcement through uh, human feedback. And we're actually one of one of the ones who are helping to guide the AI to become to have some sort of guardrails so that it can't be used in those ways. Um, uh, 
there and there's a caveat to it that as well because i think that that doing that itself can also lead to some challenges in terms of only giving it one specific voice and saying things are that these specific things are safe and these specific things are not safe and then that moving into sort of ideological territory and 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 kind of like prevent censorship and all, all those other things so that like there's there's some angle there that 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 potentially but i want to bring it back to your your great question um, so I, I don't think that the technology is there yet at the moment mm. to, but there is potential at some moment for it to become dangerous. Uh, and, um, and then how we're thinking about it, it's, I don't have a good answer and I haven't, we haven't had a lot of discussions and it might be, it might be a good thing to start having those discussions or at least provoking the discussions to start thinking about it, um, but yeah, I guess I guess it's 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 difficult to 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 really say like where where it's headed and like and and give a good answer to your question. Um, did anything come up? Or and feel free to ask any follow up questions. Yeah, I think there's a couple things, right? It's like where is the line, you know? And like we're kind of talking about like you know we're people, we're imperfect, but we're making these decisions as to like where that line is. Yeah. And I think you know like to even take that into like the business application, like let's say you know. Again, we're all in a in a for-profit economy. We all have to make money, right? And and there's people that rely on you to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think, you know, where I could see this potentially becoming a problem is like, let's say a large-scale customer came to you mm. and kind of gave you a model that made you kind of feel like, ooh, this is mm. wrong. In the world we live in, right, there's no morals in business. There is just business. We just throw morals to the wind. But to your point, like in this very defined world, where would that fit in even to like a sales process, right? Of saying, no, I will reject this customer for a million dollars or whatever it might be, because I don't want to be a part of building that. Mm. Yeah. And and it goes this goes into specifically, I think, defense companies. Like defense <laughs> companies are the are the clearest, clearest example. There's another example, particular example that that, that I'm that I would run into based on what's happened over the past few years that that gives me pause. But let's just keep mm -hmm. it on the defense, the defense um, industry. And and it's really interesting because my grandfather was a journalist for the US. Um, uh, and 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 my even my father has made some investments with the with the CIA. And 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 so like I actually come from it from a angle that like so i believe jesus talked about nonviolence, right mm -hmm. but i don't think he was also he was a um i don't think he was a pacifist uh I agree. Yep. yeah yeah so it's like there is a way and i think uh, c.s lewis actually wrote a, a lot of this stuff as well and i know saint augustine talked about a just war and all these different things and so like war exists it, it's here and like to just say that it doesn't it isn't it isn't there is is ignorant and then to say that there are not also cases where war and violence are necessary uh is also crazy um uh and so then it becomes about a just war and everything like that and so and the question then becomes is the united states still still doing just wars yes. and i would say Iraq, no, I don't. I don't, I don't personally <laughs> believe that Iraq was. And right. so, if you are supporting the defense companies, but then this brings into the other, which is other question, which is a very interesting question, and I don't have a good answer, is the automatization of all decisions and automatization of large companies. And like, if you take one defense company and say, well, which part of that defense company is doing the stuff that's mm. unintegrous? Like which part of the Iraq war was the unintegrous one? Is it like 
bringing water to to Iraqis and building sewage systems and doing all that different stuff. Yeah. Like, or the bomb, like, which bomb was it? Which bomb actually went and killed innocent people versus which bomb actually went and killed people who were responsible for, for killing people? So it's just like a wildly complex world. Uh, I'd love to hear either your personal opinions or anything that you've read about this atomization, uh, particularly like, did C.S. Lewis talk about atomization and like, and like how we as individuals are just these small cogs in these large machines, like, and then, you know, there's that the talk thing we were talking about, the technology and how, how like we're making decisions right now that it is impossible for us to know the end results mm. of these decisions and that we could be participating in things that will negatively affect the world without knowing it. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently because we're an AI and it's, it's something I'm, that's on my mind, but I don't know how to think about it because I don't know what's going to happen basically. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like, it's such a, it's a, it's a whole thing, right? Like we, we create such a complex world and ecosystem that we can't really like unpack these things. And I feel like as people, we try to categorize them, right? Like Lockheed Martin, bad, because they yeah. make missiles. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they also do a lot of other things that really benefit people too. You know, like there's, there's both sides. And to your point, who is the, the person that has to sit here and say, I'll work with this business unit, but not this business unit. And if I, you know, I will never live in a world where what I am about to say is true. And I just will acknowledge that, you know, full stop. But I think the best thing would be to just walk away entirely and just admit mm. that we don't have the capacity to make those decisions. Yeah, yeah. Right. But that but that would require, I mean, it goes against the entire human nature, right? Which is constant strive for change and progress. So what? You're going to get to the most progressive technology and then just walk away, right? When you find it, like, yeah. I get why that will not happen. But I would say in the ideal world of God, that is what should happen because Ooh. we cannot make those decisions. Yeah. Now, to your point, you kind of talk about just wars. I think it's really interesting. A lot of people look at war and C.S. Lewis opened my eyes on it, right? He wrote um, he wrote the screw tape letters, which is right two uh, devils that are trying to corrupt a man's soul. And they're writing letters back to and forth about how to corrupt a man's soul. The man is in, uh, this is in what late, uh, the book is written in the late 50s, kind of comes out in the early 60s. It is about a guy who ends up fighting in World War II. Mm. Um, right back then, they didn't even call World War II. It was the European Wars, what they called mm -hmm. it. Um, but what's interesting about that is, is the devils talking to each other about this man's involvement in the war. And so there's the lesser devil, who's kind of like the rookie. And then there's the mentor devil, right? He's kind of telling him what to do. And what's interesting is the lesser devil comes to um, the mentor and he's, he's delighting that this war is taking place. You know, he's like, oh, we love this. This is nothing but suffering on earth. This is fantastic. And the mentor doesn't delight in it. He actually has a very different take. It's really interesting where he says, war is actually an instrument that can benefit God. And the way he unpacks that is when war breaks out, people typically become more religious. They, mm -hmm. they find God more. <laughs> now, many of them will then die, right? Think about World War II. You will find God and within a couple months, you will probably be wow. dead. Yeah you are far more likely to go to heaven in that scenario because God cares about the soul, not the individual physical body here on earth. So what's funny is war in that sense benefits God and time is actually of the devil because time gives us time to walk away from God and think that we are better. It's a weird kind of way. It just changed the way I thought about things and the way I yeah. think about God's perspective. I would love to hear uh, from this and it's been going through my head a couple of different times uh, about what your take on sort of new age or Eastern stuff as well. Uh, because what you said about the soul is really interesting. Uh, soul. And you, I believe what you said was that um, the soul is more important than our physical 
uh, our physical right. bodies uh, and that they end up in heaven. The soul is what ends up in heaven, that that immaterial part of us that that goes throughout. And so there's this there's this, the theory of reincarnation that I often play with uh, uh, in my own head. And 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 I don't really believe it is true or false, but I, I, I play with a lot of different theories and, and think about it. And the re- reincarnation also agrees that there's a soul. It just happens to come back into a human body. And a lot of theories that I that I read about reincarnation say that, um, you know, the 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 you come back as a as another uh, as another human in order to learn the lessons that you didn't learn the last time and that you're you're it's basically time again coming over and over again so that you ultimately make the right decisions that actually bring you into heaven. And that in the and I believe in the reincarnation, Buddhism and, and Hinduism, basically, the idea is, is that heaven is that enlightenment state where you basically uh, 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 transcend the human body uh, and 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 basically merge back with God, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and so forever, you know, beyond time and stuff like that. And I'd be curious to hear what you think about that uh, and how it relates to Christianity. Do you believe in a Christianity that is against that, or and and like particularly in this frame of soul versus time, uh, and and like infinite time and and the physical body versus the soul. Really, it's a it's a very good question. I think I don't want to ever say that I am like I believe that I am for or against those thoughts. Not to say that you know God isn't or Christianity isn't. It's that I'm not perfect enough to make those decide you know those decisions. I think that ultimately, you know, again, we're all going after the same. Like it's crazy, right? We're all talking about the same thing, and mm. even in San Francisco, right, the most secular. Yeah. besides portland oregon like the most yeah, secular yeah. place i can imagine yeah you know i talked to my coworkers about it and they all are like no i believe like many of them say i believe there is a god or something that is greater um and i believe that therefore i have some type of there is something within us that that is more than us uh, you know we call it a soul they might have a different term but ultimately we're really describing the same thing and i think the question then at that point just becomes like what do you think god's role in this whole thing is you know, like a lot of people don't really think about it, but if you think about what you're really saying, you're saying that God is, you know, a lot of times he is the universe or he's the the energy that makes up the universe. And the question is then why did he create the universe? And why does he, why do you think he doesn't care? Or do you think he does or doesn't care about morality, about the decisions that we make and about, you know, in being in, in followance of him? If you say, you know, that's not important and relevant, then I think a lot of the spiritual stuff makes a lot more sense. But the way that I think that Christianity differs is that God has a very, and I think it's where a lot of Christians walk away from in today's society because they're afraid to stand on it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something I really respect about Islam is they're not afraid to stand on their religion and they don't change yeah. just because the way of the world changes. Uh-huh. And I think Christianity can take a lot from that, which is, you know, ultimately God has a very strict standard. He is not, he doesn't leave it ambiguous either. You know, the only thing that I think is so unique about Christianity is that he came to say, I know that you won't live up to the standard. Mm. And I think we see that throughout all of life, right? There's moral codes that we all know that we should follow and we violate them every day in small ways, mostly in small ways. It's not usually like the big evil thing. It's the small things that we do, you know, and I think you will never live enough lifetimes to eradicate that from, from your physical perspective like there's just not enough lifetimes to get there i don't know of anybody else outside of jesus who even claims that they never had you know a bad thought or or anything 
So I think that's really where the distinction comes down. If that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does. I really like what you said about, uh, and, it, 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 and it goes back to C.S. Lewis about this, the, the kind of subtlety uh, and like the, that temptation to like that we're in, a, in, in the imperfection and perfection thing. And it's just like, there's the, the, how the mind itself is so easily uh, tricked uh, yes. by deeper processes and that it really is the heart and like our intuition and our connection with divine or connection with spirit or with Jesus or with all these other kind of figures, the avatars and such uh, that, that, that it is only through that, those, the kind of having a savior that we're at least surrendering to the idea that we don't mm. know um, and, and allowing for that to exist. Because if we trust in the mind, the mind is like so easily, it's like an animal. It's like, it's like a, you know, a puppy or something like that, except that it also has these higher levels of intelligence. So, and I don't, I think those higher level intelligence often aren't, don't make it easier to follow, uh, uh, truth. It actually makes it harder (laughs) because we can bullshit ourselves so much easier. Uh, well, and, one yeah, one great yeah. example of that, like it just honestly, like what you said, kind of just struck me of like the example is um, in the Bible, right? King Solomon, uh, for those who don't know, his life doesn't end well. We'll just put it that way. Although he's considered one of the greatest figures in all of antiquity. Um, king Solomon is spoken about as like the smartest, wisest, richest, most powerful king in all of the ancient world, right? Um, other kings are said to have come to him for wisdom and guidance as to how to run their own empires, King Solomon is, is well, it's told to David that King Solomon will be an important figure in carrying forward the, the word of God. Um, but all he has to do is admit that out of all of these skills, he still serves a higher power of God, right? And now what King Saul, right, he goes off, he does great things, he builds the empire. But what ends up happening is that slowly over time, he starts walking away from God. And there's a very subtle line in the Bible that I think you just skip over it if you're not like there's a pastor that just focused on this one line. I was like, that's so interesting, even how they wrote it, which is essentially it says King Solomon took seven years to build the temple of God, mm. comma, he took 14 years to build his own house. <laughs> like, think about what that's at. It's what, right. It's like, oh, seven years. Like, wow, he really cared. But he didn't care compared to himself. He still put himself above God. Mm. And I think that just goes to show some of the small decisions he was making that ultimately led to him completely, completely breaking from God and then living in destitution and, and squalor ultimately, and, and unfortunately dying away from God. Um, but, you know, he even said, he's so wise that he even calls it himself. He says, you know, the, the little foxes uh, pick at the vine, right? Essentially, it's these small little things that eventually will destroy you. And so he does these little things, and then eventually he does something destructive. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see that a lot in like, I don't know, let's take like Elon Musk, right? Smartest, richest, no doubt he's wise, no doubt he's built incredible technology. But I think there comes a point where if he doesn't realize that he's not God himself, mm, yeah. he will destroy himself. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like in his life. I don't know him, yeah. but I just foresee that that could be a potential. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of people are about to face that, and maybe even both yeah. of us, because we're both involved in this as well. We'll 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 face it as well, but at different levels. Uh, and it's and it's and it reminds me of just like how difficult it's been for a lot of people, particularly like I've, I've it's been really difficult the last few years, 
because my whole world is, has kind of completely shifted in terms of the things that I thought in 2015, 2016 were like very, very different from the way things actually ended up. And it just keeps on getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Uh, and I think, you know, like I, I believe that I have a better than average ability to integrate crazy things happening. Um, and so, and I know that a lot of other people don't have that ability. Uh, and so I, I just noticed there's a, there's a huge amount of stress that a lot of people are, are going through in order to incorporate everything that's happened over the past few years. And I think a lot of people just aren't capable of it, 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 it without, without a higher power to, to call on. And that brings me to the point, which is that most, a lot of people don't believe that there is a higher power and there is such societal uh, um, blinders, particularly in places in the place that you're in right now, in the place where I come from in the Bay area, but also in New York and large cities where there's just like the whole, there's peer pressure to not do those things, uh, to not, not think that there's a higher power that we can call on to kind of help us through this crazy, crazy time that we're going to go through that seems biblical. And it's, and it's, and it's like, and then you add all of the magical abilities that we currently have like it's it's it is a magical ability that i can go in uh and you know put this podcast transcript i I was spending a lot of time uh going through and writing notes i don't have to write notes anymore because i know that i can just take this transcript and put it in chat gpt and then it'll give me the show notes it'll allow me to ask any questions i can create images based on it that's like a magical ability and that that magical ability is going to get better and better it's going to turn science fiction and it and it, going back to what we were talking about, it's going to give us the power of of of, of gods to and and like it, it's going to go to a lot of people's heads, and a lot of people are going to make a lot of decisions that that are that are pretty impactful. Um, and again, it goes back to like not knowing exactly what. Yeah, go for it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was going to say one thing is it it will not give us the power. Well, I don't think it'll give us the power of gods. It'll give yeah. us the false belief that we have the power of gods, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that that in therein lies. I think the thing that we both agree is the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's like an open question that I think both of us are going to ask for it. And now I think like when I, I'm going to send this podcast to people, cause it, it's the, everything we've been talking about has been on the back of my mind for it. And I haven't really had a, I've mostly been swept up in the excitement about it, uh, about this thing. Cause it is very exciting. Like, it's like, we can use this technology to solve a lot of the problems that humanity has. And it goes again back to like you know like like guns or nuclear weapons or or all those different things. It's like these things can be used for good or evil, uh, depending on the intention and the desire of the person using them. And then nuclear, you know, nuclear weapons. It's like the invention of nuclear weapons has cr- ended has en- ended up allowing for us to have a safer world as long as that decision continues not to be made, which is to to use one of them. Uh, and so like. It's just it's just like such a paradoxical world, and it and it and it, it, it. I think the ultimate thing we've been talking about is that you really need something outside of yourself that's larger than yourself uh, to rely on to get through this, because because otherwise it's like you're just going to be lost. I think. I I agree, and yep. you know, I I always like to kind of ask a different question, take a different thing. Right, we've been talking a lot about the the pros of religion. You, I, I know, we kind of talked about it, like we both grew up in a, in a Christian background. You went to, I believe, a Catholic school. Um, so maybe you have a, a different take being a part of the Catholic institution, but oh, I'm not part of the Catholic. So, uh, so, so I went to the Catholic school, uh, but I was actually raised Episcopalian. Uh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So I, well, then I guess we'll have even more commonality here. Um, when you look at 
the things that the church and I think we were both born, born in the 90s, right? So yep. I think a lot of us, you know, we came from more religious backgrounds. So many of our generation walked away from it, I feel like. And I guess my question to you is, what do you think the church did wrong that caused that? Because I think there's a lot of wrong, even today, that the church does, and I can criticize them for. Yep. I, I'd love to know like your perspective. Yeah, I think, and 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 still, I don't, I don't have a really formal spiritual community. Like, I have a sort of informal spiritual community, and I consider community to be, uh, uh, I consider community maybe a little bit different than a lot of people. Like, it doesn't necessarily need to be human community, really, and just kind of like the 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 the, the spiritual community. It's like it doesn't need to be inside a human body, uh, and and so. But the specific organized religion is something I haven't taken a part of, and and I don't. It's not actually a part of my life. Like um, I do have spiritual practices, and I and and I do, but I don't go to church. And I think one of the problems that I I see with church is the dogma. Uh, so like mm-hmm. like the the dog, dogmatic uh, uh, accordance with certain interpretations of uh, what was said. That's where I think um, is the biggest problem for me, because uh, because I'm somewhat of a contrarian in general, so it's like it's hard for me to uh, to submit to ideologies, uh, whether it's religious ideologies, whether it's political ideologies, whether it's like business ideologies. It's hard for me to to uh, submit to those things, basically. Yeah, that makes total sense, and I think you know I completely like out of the '90s. What I really don't like that the church did i feel like the church did kind of universally which is weird is it was like super like dogmatic and judgy right it was like if you do any of these things wrong like you're castigated off into hell and what i found as i came back into religion is that's not the message of like any church that i've ever seen nowadays mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. they i think they learned no, like this isn't working for yeah, us yeah and now they have a very different tactic i think what's really hard is people in our generation still remember the way that we were raised and don't give it a chance to see that no this is actually something completely different mm. um and i guess that's like my challenge to anyone maybe listening to this is like i hated i and look i hated religion like i was one of those people that thought it was used for oppression and control and it was all evil uh. and it's funny you know i I, I looked for a community that represented the values. And when you find people that that do that, it changes everything. Like mm-hmm. I, I went to church and I just said, Hey, like I'm just looking for a community to become a better person, you know, to surround myself with people that hold me to account to be a better person. And I kid you not, this one guy, Chris, man, he's an unbelievable person. He, he literally, he didn't even know me. Like we had had a five minute conversation and he's like, Hey man, like you want to come to Easter? Like, come over to my house for Easter, you know? And it's like, who, who would even do that? You know, yeah. like, and through that living of the values, like that to me is far more impactful. And I think church has its place, you know, but Christianity doesn't change the truth of Christ. And so the tarnish of everything is going to fall, even if it is a, a church, right? We're all human. I think that people put that on Christ and then that turns them off entirely from the whole concept. And so I don't know. I know, you know, as if anyone's listening to this, like I, I would say that would be the challenge and, and the call to action is just give it a shot. It doesn't have to be a church. It could be a synagogue. It could be a temple. It could be whatever. But I just think that the straw man that you have thought of historically is is not where these religious institutions are today. Cool. Uh well thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Stuart Alsop, I-I-I. Also, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or iTunes for every weekly episode that I publish on Monday mornings. Hope you have a great day.